Hey, group, this is the Son of Gore, and you're listening to the Secret Lair Drive-In. <laughs> Welcome to the Secret Lair Drive-In with your hosts, D-Dub and Stratosphere. The Secret Lair Drive-In is dedicated to bringing you the finest in B-movie entertainment news and reviews. And now, on with the show. You know, many legends have come out of the Old West. Some true, some false, and some just plain cockamamie. Like the famous tale of a stagecoach that was burned to the ground by Apaches. And the only survivor was a tiny infant and his little teddy bear. Now, many times Indians have found little babies and brought them up as their own. And then there are stories of wolves finding a child and raising it in the wolf pack. But nobody wanted this baby. Nobody loved him. So this little baby grew up loving nobody. And he became the meanest man in the whole West. Evil Roy Slade. Evil Roy Slade. The darkness, scary so bad, he'd cause day to break. Then evil Rosley would scramble a rattler, have him for breakfast, and spit out the shade. So evil Roy Slade became the most famous outlaw in the West, spreading havoc wherever he rode. Oddly enough, most of the things that evil Roy destroyed was the property of one fella, Nelson L. Stew, president of Western Express, powerful, ruthless, and kind of short. Lights out, and now the movies, folks.
Well, hello there, and Carl Nelson, everybody. I am your host, your fearless leader, D-Dub. And across the table from me is my co-host and fearless acolyte, faithful acolyte, Stratosphere. Greetings, people. Okay, uh, this week we have something a little bit different at the old Secret Layer Drive-In. But before we get into that... We have some feedback. Feedback. I think I'm going to rename this section Joe's Corner. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Absolutely love it. This is from our friend Joe. I hope we're pronouncing this correctly. Iden. Is that an Irish name? (laughs) Oh, we have to do the whole patio furniture joke again. Absolutely. I, I think I've hit my limit on that one. Okay. Gentlemen, hello again. Hope you both had a great Thanksgiving. Joe Wyden here, commenting on your latest podcast. Let me get this out of the way first. I love Toho movies, and more specifically, Ishiro Honda movies. So anytime you review one of these cinematic gems, I'm going to be coming at it with a bit of a biased viewpoint. That said... Nonsense. That said, I love this film, and I'm so glad you reviewed it. This is one of those So Strange is Good films. From the first time I saw it decades ago, to just recently watching it a week or so ago... I've always thought of this as one of my top three Toho giant monster flicks. Now, this is Frankenstein Conquers the World? Yep. Okay. I've been a huge Godzilla fan most of my life, but if you were to ask me what my favorite Toho films are, it's always been Frankenstein Conquers the World, War of the Gargantuas, and King Kong Escapes. I'd say I agree with two of them. I was going to say, it's a man after your heart. Yeah. Um, Although this one did grow on me, I'll admit. Uh, I really think any of these films solidifies what Toho at the time was best at. Take any of these films, and they all include everything except Godzilla. In fact, it was the fil- this film in particular that made me want to seek out other Toho films other than Godzilla. Not an easy task back in the late 70s when I first came across this movie. The concept of a giant Frankenstein monster going toe-to-toe with a kaiju is a blast to watch. Plus, you got Nick Adams. I really like Adams in these films. To me, he's the only American actor in these Toho films that actually seems like he wants to be there. I and, would agree. Except maybe Cesar, Cesar Romero in Latitude Zero. Adams' performance is better than Russ Tamlin in War of the Gargantuas. I guess one reason is he was Gaga over, wait for it. Here it comes. Kumi Mizuno. <laughs> he actually wrote out, wait for it. You know, I I gotta admit, I love it when uh, I see something that we drop all the time show up in these. That's awesome. It just gives me such a thrill. Um, Gaga over, wait for it, Kumi Mizuno, or Kumi Mizuno, so much he proposed to her. Any one of the Toho giant monster films always brings me back to the feeling I had when I first saw it. It's funny, I can remember where and when I saw most of these films for the first time. You may not believe this, but back in 1979... I actually saw this film in theaters with Invasion of Astro Monster, or Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, and Rodan. There was a locally owned movie theater in my town that would run these types of films, plus other monster and sci-fi movies, one Saturday a month from noon till about 4.30. Damn. The owner of the theater, who I met years later, told me he did this because the films were cheap to get, and he thought parents would drop off their kids to get them out of the house for a few hours, and he could always make some money. Well, I could certainly understand that. Uh, 
Silly me, I always thought he was way ahead of the curve as far as showing these films on a big screen. I'd love to see something, some of these on a big screen. Well, we're we're hoping next. I mean, we had a, we had a, I thought a real good. Uh, hopefully, kaiju comeback with Pacific Rim, and I, the more I find out about Godzilla 2014, the more excited I get about it because I I think they're going to do it right. Well, you know, he's already talking possible sequel. Oh yes, which would be. Uh, and there's 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 also it's hard to get details up, but there's rumors to be more than one kaiju in the first one. So I'm I'm hoping that's going to be the case. Because okay, one last thing I'd like to mention: if you're a Godzilla fan and you have the recent classic media release of some of the Godzilla films, I would suggest watching the films with the audio commentary track. These give great insights into the background of these films. The original Gojira and the American cut with Raymond Burr have a great commentary. Also, Godzilla Raids Again is very good. I really think these are some of the best audio commentaries ever. If you get a chance to check if you get a chance, check them out. They are worth it. Once again, I've rambled on way too long. Thanks for the podcast. I'll be sure to keep listening. Joe, I hope you're pronouncing this correctly. Iden. <laughs> and then um he has a little piece. He actually put, I hope you're pronouncing this correctly. No, that's, a, that's editorial commentary. Oh, okay. I was going to say, boy, he's really <laughs> in on the, on the joke. <laughs> um, then he had a little PS. He had actually sent the email twice. I guess the first time he sent it, it wasn't completely done. And it says sent from the iPhone, so I can dig it. Okay. Okay, so what is our cinema? You know what? Let's wait just another minute here. How about we toss out our contact information? If you like Joe, I hope this I hope we're pronouncing this correctly, Aiden, would not only like to comment, but would like your very own nickname. How can they get a hold of us? Uh I will if if I recall correctly, and who can say at this point, but I believe it's uh Secret Lair Drive In at Podbean dot, dot podbean dot com. Okay. And if they want to email us, that would be secretlayerpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And hey, while you're out at the interweb, little known secret, geeksexplainitall.com. Tell your friends about it. Tell their friends about it. Maybe you'll keep some of them. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, so now that we have that out of the way, what is our cinematic gem for this week? Well, we... Episode. We, we decided to uh, kind of stretch ourselves a little bit. We're, we're actually doing a movie that was never actually in a drive-in because it was a TV movie. Which, and, when I found out, found this out, I was mildly surprised. I re- kind of remember them showing it, I think, on, on the weekend movie here in Cleveland. And I, I honest to God, do not recall. But considering it came out in 72, I really wasn't... I probably wouldn't have gotten any, hardly any of the jokes in, in, at the age of seven, so, you know. But uh, the, the film we're going to be discussing is, in our opinion, a total classic, Evil Roy Slade, starring... John Aston And... Uh, actually got quite a, quite a few uh, nice little... A lot of cameos in this thing, and... Uh, Not only that, but um, for a TV movie, they had uh, quite the cast. Because uh, yeah, you had Mickey Rooney, yes, Dick Sean, who did "It's a Mad Mad World." I'm not going to say all those mads. And I have a story. Uh, I have a story a, I read about Dick Sean, but we'll he was it. also in the original producers. Yes, um, 
he he did a whole lot of stuff. Um, he had Henry Henry Gibson. Henry Gibson, who looks real good in the parade, dunk. Oh, I'm getting ahead of. <laughs> um, yeah, there were quite a few people that uh, showed up in but here, we'll, but we'll, we'll we'll try and uh, go through it as best we can. See if we can remember some of the. Uh, so, basically, the place to start with this cinematic miracle is the, the plot. plot. See, it's been it's been a while since we've done this. So, yeah, so you know, I'm a, I'm a little rusty. R- real life being what it is. Um. Anyway, now we find our protagonist antagonist, uh, Evil Roy Slade, played by John Aston, uh, basically is orphaned and left to kind of left in the desert after his family is is get gotten by indians I, I don't know if they ever show what what they do they just show the uh the wagon train in flames yeah oh and for first cameo and it's actually uncredited the narrator of this of this whole movie is uh pat buttram otherwise known as mr haney from uh petticoat junction or not petticoat uh, junction green uh, acres green acres yeah, yeah. And it's all the same and he universe. Also, he also appeared in Back to the Future 3. Pat Buttram was in it? Yes, he was. Oh, my gosh. In the saloon scene. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Now, that would be Chicken Man. Anyway, so the you know they make a big production out of, uh, you know, the Indians didn't want Evil Roy. They, they, they show them walking up to the... The, the blanket with, with the baby, and they just kind of look at each other, shake their heads like, no, no, no. <laughs> then, and, and then, then they show the wolves doing the same thing. <laughs> it's really they, funny. It really they, is. They, Everything we say in, about this movie is just hysterical. You have to see it. it, yeah, it, but it the, we're not doing, we're I mean, not going to do it justice. I'll tell no, you that I mean, right now. Comedy is really hard to try to review because it's so subjective, but I was so worried seeing this movie again that it wouldn't be as funny and i will say this it it wasn't as funny as i remembered it but it was still pretty damn good um i will say there were a couple parts where it possibly dragged a little bit but the the best bits of business that that we remembered after all these years man that, that still tickles that that old funny bone so evil roy slade basically grows up alone save for his teddy bear and he is he has got a reputation as the basically the meanest man in the West. And they, they have a whole opening uh I wouldn't exactly call it a montage, but it's basically it's like just a, it's an opening scene is all. Yeah, but he's walking through town and he's like punching people at random, uh, take takes an old lady and takes off her takes off her jacket and throws it over the mud so he doesn't get his boots dirty. I mean a lot of this stuff sounds like really petty, but John, a- see, that's the key. John Aston is one of those people, one of those actors that's just funny. I- I've never seen him in anything where he wasn't absolutely brilliant. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was even, I mean, even when he was on Night Court for a while. Oh my God, his buddy? Mm-hmm. I'm feeling much like, better much now. Much better now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, jo- John Aston just, just, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a stupid role. It's a stupid movie. That's utterly beside the point. Everybody takes it so seriously, and there's a number of running jokes that occur through this thing that, to me, just get funnier every time they come through. You mean like uh, Sheriff Bingbell? Is that the door? 
we should probably mention that this is a Western, folks. Oh, yeah. Well, I said the meanest man in the West. I, I, mean, I, I, I I'm merely re- reiterating, you know, somebody might have uh, had to go. Hey, why, is it, why is it they don't, uh, they never said movies that took place in, uh, like, New York are called Easterns? Crickets. Because insert, they, insert crickets here. <laughs> because they don't call it the Wild East. Yeah. I don't tell that to anyone that got mugged in New York City. Uh, maybe they say, you know, like all those zany screwball comedies that took place in New York City in the 20s, you know. Yeah. Which later morphed into uh, uh, Woody Allen's New York, which which never has any crime or, you know, is always just, clean. Just really big spiders. Yeah, yeah. I know somebody got that reference. It's always a few. Anyway, as an adult, he is notorious for being the meanest villain in the West. So he. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not quite. Not quite doing it. I can't. I can't do it. Um. So he's thrown for quite a loop when he falls for sweet school teacher Betsy Potter, played by the lovely, lovely, lovely Pamela Austin. Very lovely, but her acting, in my opinion, was a little flat. But. Um, she's not a great actress, but just gorgeous to look at. Um, I remember her, she was on one of my favorite, um, Twilight Zone episodes. I believe the thing is, uh, number 12 looks just like you. Okay. Uh, she played, well, another actress played a role where, uh, they keep, telling her she should uh, get this plastic surgery and look like everybody else. Well, spoiler alert, at the end, she winds up having the surgery, and the actress playing her then is Pamela Austin. But, okay. she, but she's just got that perfect Barbie doll kind of look to her, which which is really how she looks in this. She looks like Bar- Barbie does the Old West. Wild West Barbie. Man, that, you know, oddly, that bitch does have everything. <laughs> you know, oddly enough, when I was in an FYE store over uh, Black Friday, they had Catwoman Barbie and 66 Batman Ken. Wow. The mind boggles. Eh. But um, Amazing what you can find out, out there. But go ahead. Um, but before we... Before... She meets up with him. A few other characters that were introduced to is um, Mickey Rooney's character is I, I forget his first name. His last name is Stool. Nelson Stool. Nelson Stool, president of the railroad. Yes, and uh, one of the one of the origi- originators of the telegraph. And that's another running joke that it shouldn't be funny, but for some reason to me it is. Is that he, he, in theory, wore his index finger down, uh, working the, the telegraph. And now they sing songs about him around the campfire. Yeah, stubby index <laughs> finger song. And, and this joke literally appears like ten times in, in this movie. It, and, and each time, again, it shouldn't be funny, but for some reason it is. <laughs> you with your perfect little index finger. And it's one of the few few roles anymore where I really dig Mickey Rooney. I, I cannot stand Mickey Rooney. I really cannot. I, everything I see him in, he's just cranky. And it, and well, you know, it's like that. That makes that whole scene in Santa Claus is Coming to Town even worse. Yeah, kind of does. 
Oh, oh, these. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah that's we're not. No, that's bad stuff. But uh, Henry Gibson as his nephew, and he. he are, are we going to go after him, Monk? <laughs> they say I look real, real nice riding in the parade. <laughs> oh no, that sounds more like Gomer. Jeez. I think I just have to stick to Yosemite Sam. You know what? <laughs> you know, if, if if Mel Blank was in this, we'll call you. There you go. But, uh, so, I mean, that's kind of really the plot is he, uh, while robbing a bank, he uh, kisses uh, Betsy Potter first through his mask, and then then he decides to try it without the mask. <laughs> well, he had kissed... It tastes some, like prairie dust. That was some... That was... Um, Somebody before he kissed somebody before that said, "Your ruby red lips taste like prairie dust." <laughs> you got your mask on, boss. I know that. Didn't I change my own diapers? <laughs> and again, only John Aston can pull off this damn these damn lies. They're so they're so ridiculous, and and he well, just totally just like, makes you buy into the whole thing. Like where he steals the pen. Oh God! Yeah, he he goes to steal the pen, and it's of course chained to the table. And of course, he's got the pen at, with table in tow on his horse, riding off. You know, you know, with, with all, all, everything they stole from the the bank, and and the table just kind of uh, rattling behind. Yeah. A lot of sight gags like that. So basically, he starts uh, seeing Betsy Potter, and of course, she tries to reform him. With, shall we say, mixed results. Yep, and all during this time, Nelson Stuhl keeps trying to recruit legendary lawman Bing Bell to help him. Is that the door? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's the joke. Again, got to do it at least probably ten times every every time someone because his full name is Bingham Bell. So what er, they call him Bing Bell. Bing Bell, and he he has a little bell for for an earring. And uh, perfectly in keeping <clears throat> with Dick Sean. Uh, yeah. Oh, let me tell you my Dick Sean story. Go right ahead. Uh, well, two two little things. For one thing, I always assumed for years Dick Sean was gay. Uh, not only was he not gay, he had four children. So I, okay. I that that because he always plays kind of a slightly effeminate character in almost everything I've seen him in. Uh, to a degree, I can see uh, that. If not effeminate, campy. Let's say. He, he he hams it up really good. Well, if you were to see him in the producers, yeah, I could see that. Oh yeah, he's like the hippie that that wrote the Springtime for Hitler. No, I think or? he's the he's the hippie that they recruit to play Hitler. Oh okay, it, yeah, it's been so long since I've seen it. Um, but here's the weird thing about Dick Sean is how he died. Really? Well, apparently toward the end of his career, and he he died relatively young he was uh he gave he was giving one man shows where okay. and they were half uh retrospective of his career half performance art and at the intermission he would tell the audience okay there's going to be a half hour intermission and he would then lay down in front of the stage at at the foot of the stage just just on his back, completely motionless for exactly 30 minutes. Now, his crew, 
you know, the, the, the stagehands and all that were given specific instructions that no matter what he did in his performance, they were not to interrupt him, no matter how weird. Well, he went and did this thing where he laid down at the front of the stage, and then he had a heart attack and died. And it was, and literally, he was there for almost an hour, completely stone cold dead, until until finally someone in the audience was like, "Uh, what's going on here?" Because they just thought it was part of the act. So he died performing, literally. I mean, that's a almost. I mean, take that, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> hey, die on stage! Wow. Yeah, but no one knew it because they all thought it was part of the act. He's just being weird. Yeah. So, I, I I read that I was absolutely riveted by them. Um, now if we're I forget where we're at in the plot, but if I remember correctly, Roy goes to Boston with Betsy, and Nelson finally gets Bing to come. But there's another cameo in there. Yeah. Yes. Um. When, well, there's several cameos. First of all, um. Betsy's brother-in-law is played by the legendary Milton Berle. Um, I was actually thinking of the scene... At the bank? With, no, with uh, Bing Bell. Okay. Oh, um, his, uh, his... His assistant. His assistant, Torhan, is played by the also legendary Pat Morita. Who is playing... Arnold from, well, from Happy Days with yeah, a turban. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like he's supposed to be uh, Indian or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, he's supposed to be Indian, but he's again, he's basically Arnold from Happy Days. But instead of having the the little paper hat, he's got a turban. Oh, Mister Bing Bell, you! Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I mean, God, God rest Pat Maria. He's he's a wonderful actor, but if you were looking back on on his career, he's got to be cringing at this performance because it is it is just totally embarrassing. Well, it was a paycheck. it was funny, but it was embarrassing. <laughs> Um, well, he wasn't always Mr. Miyagi, you know. He, well, I mean, he he did quite a few things in that vein, you know, you know, serious uh, acting toward the end of his career. But at the beginning, he basically played. Oh yeah, he could he could he could cut loose with the best of them. Yeah. So, but yeah, he um, they have the running thing with uh, Pat Morita being Bing Bell's uh, guy Friday, if you will. And that, that's a that's a funny running gag because they keep sending uh, telegraphs to him, and all you see of Bing Bell is him in. You see the back of his easy chair, and he's like listening to a, a phonograph record of himself. Of himself, yes. So, which gives you an idea of the the ego of this character, and they they show Pat Morita like reading the the uh, telegram, and. Bing Bell basically uh, lights a match and burns the thing up, and this happens like two or three times, and it just well, gets. They, it gets... Only, they only show him burning it up, I think, once. Oh, okay. Because all the other times it's just, oh, we got your reply from Bing Bell, and, and it's basically ashes. ashes yeah. yeah. But uh, again, it, it's what this movie loves run, running jokes, uh, and we're we're going to get to my favorite running joke later on. <laughs> Um, well, um, once he's in Boston, there's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Okay. The surprise party. <laughs> yes. Uh, his, his in-laws are got, a, you know, a little cake and all that. And 
and, and it's really not so much a I don't think it's supposed to be a surprise party. I think uh, the Betsy's sister is sort of like, oh, let's let's get down and hide and just yell surprise. It's kind of a last minute thing. Well, of course they, you know, surprise. And he's like ambush. Starts shooting up the entire place, shoots up the cake. Oh, it's, it's again, you just have to see this thing. Before I forget, did, yes. you, did you not say this thing is on YouTube? I did see it on YouTube, yes. Okay, yeah. Or, I, I, I actually got the disc from Netflix. It's not on Netflix streaming. Right. We got the disc from it. I um, watched it from there. Okay. No commentaries or anything like that. Just the plain. I, I just. I downloaded a torrent and just watched it playing like that, which was fine because it was still freaking funny. Um, although, although I would love to find a copy that had some sort of commentary because I'd, I'd love to hear some more behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, another cameo. There's um, at one point. Okay, he he starts basically being trained to uh, sell shoes, and of course that that's one of your favorite bits. I know. Yeah, yeah, the open toed shoe thing. Not my favorite bit when when he's learning how to sell shoes is uh, he sees a shoehorn <laughs> and he says, "What's that for?" He says, "Well, that's to help someone get their get their shoes on." And uh, he sees a customer that's struggling to put one on. He basically holds holds the shoehorn up to his neck like he's like he's going to choke him. And he's like, "Put that shoe on." <laughs> Yeah, that works pretty good. Oh my god, why is this funny? I don't know. There's it, just it's just something about this movie that's just so hysterical. Well, you know, the other thing is it's a very quotable movie. Uh, yeah, amazingly so. Again, for for a little movie of the week type thing. Oh yeah, I mean, you know, uh, okay. where, where are you going, Roy? I'm going to wash my mouth out with soap. <sighs> yeah. Um, so anyway, so he's been training to sell shoes. He, he, they finally decide to trust him to take the deposit to the bank and his teller is played by Penny Marshall. That's right. I had forgotten about that. Yeah. And of course, of course, it, it, you know, she's in Boston. She's still got her Brooklyn accent. <laughs> well, of course, of course. But, uh. he, he, he basically decides to go bad again, find, finds his, uh. Uh, his posse, if you will, or his his gang, and of course, real quick, we we didn't even mention our favorite scene in the whole thing is where they're playing cards at the beginning. <laughs> I'll take a card. I'll take another card. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's I don't know. Um, but anyway, so he gets decides he has to rob one more. Oh no, wait, that's. That's earlier. That's earlier. I'm sorry. Um, they basically uh, Nelson Stuhl decides to and uh, Bing Bell decide to set him up for this. Uh, was it a stagecoach or a train? I believe it was a stagecoach. And uh, basically, Bing Bell decides to court Betsy Potter and kind of lure her away from. Uh, Make her make her forget about Evil Roy, and the whole thing is basically a setup to bring Evil Roy uh, back so they can capture him. B- Bing has like a guitar that's also a shotgun. 
How should I kill you? See? Bing. Ding. Oh, silly me. I forgot to put the safety on. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll just say it doesn't end well for Bing Bell. And he, he has one of the corniest death scenes ever because he's, he's literally kind of bouncing off the ground in, in self-induced slow motion, I guess is the best way you'd, you'd put it. Uh, I could, yeah, I'd say that's probably it. Um, and at the very, very end, they, they allegedly get Evil Roy to come out of hiding, and here he and Betsy have switched clothing, and she comes out in his outfit looking awfully hot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I gotta say it, man. I mean, um, and then they're like, well, what happened to Evil Roy? And of course, he's on a horse in Betsy's wedding dress, just laughing hysterically and kind of riding off into the sunset. But we'll know, we know he'll be back because she has his teddy bear. That's right. Okay. Uh, now that we've gone through the plot, you got anything else you'd like to share about this before we rate it? Um, I, other than that, like I said, highly underrated film for something that was kind of a, probably a filler type thing, movie of the week. Um, this thing's a gem. If, if you can find it on YouTube, sit down and watch it. You will not be disappointed. I, I, I would agree with that. Sure. And absolutely. It, see it, this movie. It, it kind of comes across as like a really fairly funny second cousin to Blazing Saddles. It, it takes kind of some of the, the tropes of the Western, turns them on their head but not not as subversive as Blazing Saddles. Yeah, I I, I think this was pre Blazing Saddles because this was seventy two, and I think Blazing Saddles came out a little bit after that. That could be so, um, but definitely in that type of you know, if if you're a fan of of westerns and want to see something like that, Blazing Saddles, where it, it's just kind of turning everything on its ear. And again, John Aston is just unbelievably, amazingly funny in this because he totally commits to the character. He he is evil. Yeah, I, I mean, it, anybody lesser probably would have uh, done it, uh, kind of winking at the camera, like I know this is silly. No, he enjoys this role like fully. So, yep. You can see that in his performance, absolutely. So it looked like he had a ball too in this movie, absolutely, which makes it in turn a, a ball to watch. Um, okay, so, so go ahead and let's rate this sucker. I'm I gotta go craptacular. I mean, this, this thing just uh, amazingly has has aged really, really well, in my opinion. I, I will agree with your earlier comment that uh, maybe there's a couple jokes that fell a little flat. But considering I, I didn't even remember half of it, oh, and we forgot my favorite running joke. Which one's that? You're only one of them funny boys, are you? <laughs> <laughs> my whole gang's turned into them funny boys. <laughs> okay, that, that was the last one I wanted to mention. Okay, well, I got to go. I'm going to go craptacular minus, mainly because there was a few points in there where it didn't. It just didn't quite work this time around for me. I mean, I still enjoyed the hell out of this movie, but 
I, well, I will say, you know, again, just to keep up the parallel of, of Blazing Sales, Blazing Sales is literally a joke machine. I mean, if there's literally almost like a joke, sometimes several in this in each minute, whereas this is got maybe several five, ten minute spaces where eh, not not a lot of funny stuff particularly happening. So that that weakens it. Oh, okay. Now, once again, let's toss out that contact information. If they want to email us, how do they do that? That would be, <clears throat> excuse me, Secret Layer Drive-In? Podcast. Secret, Secret Layer Podcast. I'm going to get it one of these days. Secret Layer Podcast at gmail.com. That's right. And visit us at secretlayerdrivein.podbean.com. And once again, while you're out there, check out geeksexplainitall.com. Okay, and what is our movie for next time? Well, I've, I've been hoping we'd get to this eventually. This is, uh, as as memory serves, it, this is one of my all-time favorite kaiju ever. And it's uh, definitely, in fandom, one, considered one of the greats. The classic Destroy All Monsters. Well, make sure you tune in for that one, folks. And so, until next time, this is D-Dub. And Stratosphere. Saying, go watch a B-movie. And why? Because these movies won't watch themselves. You funny boys. Later. Bye, kids. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater.